One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. This is episode 103 with Amazonia co-founder and CEO, Dwayne Martins. You can follow him on Twitter at D-W-A-Y-N-E-M-A-R-T-E-N-S. More about Dwayne in a moment. If you're new, welcome. Hi, how you doing? Glad you could be here. Um, if you want this show to appear in your phone every week without even downloading it, just hit subscribe in the podcast app you're probably listening to right now. Uh, you can get on the email list by clicking sign up on the Facebook page, and you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. I'm there. How was your week? Is everything going okay this week? Thanks to everybody that emailed me to say, hey, um, I write back to everyone. I try to write back to everybody. Send Osher email at gmail.com is my email address. That's how you can get in touch with me. I'm in Los Angeles right now. I'm sitting on my living room floor because I am packing up my house. I'm packing up my house to move back to Australia. It's been 10 long years that I've been here in Los Angeles, 10 long years, and I'm just a few short weeks away from moving back to base myself in Sydney. I'll still come to LA to, to pitch, take meetings, and there's a project or two that I'm working on here that I need to come back and be a part of. But for now, honestly, it's it's uh, healthier and happier for me to be back in Australia. So I'm, I'm sitting in my living room in Venice Beach, the sound of waves drifting in from my window. My upstairs neighbor apparently rehearsing some sort of Celtic dance routine. That's the only reason I could understand that kind of stomping. Um, and the warm late summer air is coming in through my open balcony door, just starting to cool down just a bit. And I'm looking at a pile of moving boxes in the corner. It's all the stuff that I've accumulated over my life. It's at about three square meters of space. That's pretty weird. 
<laughs> it's pretty strange. I'm off to Amsterdam tomorrow to do some work at Think uh, for the next couple of weeks. Very much looking forward to that. So I probably better get an early night. This episode is brought to you today by the Iconic, Australia's leading online clothing store. You already use the Iconic. So do I. This week, I bought new boxer shorts. Why? Because as a man, I tend to wear boxer shorts until they fall apart. Yeah, those of you who live with men will know. It's just something we do. But now that I live with my girlfriend, I can't really get away with that stuff anymore. So it's new boxer short time. And when I buy new things, I, I want to make sure that I'm voting for ecological sustainability with my money. So I went for the bamboo booty boxer shorts. They're hypoallergenic, antifungal, made from an ecologically conscious raw material. And most of all, keep my family jewels cool and comfortable throughout the day. Perhaps you don't want to buy boxer shorts. Perhaps you're anatomically different from myself. But either way, the Iconic stock over 700 top brands with over 50,000 products. They offer an incredible three-hour delivery in Sydney with same-day shipping in Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, and Sydney. Overnight delivery to New Zealand and free returns for up to 100 days. You shop at the Iconic anyway. And if you want to support this show, just go to theiconic.com.au slash osher, O-S-H-E-R, Enter the offer code that you see there on the page on the left. That's it. About halfway down. Oop, there it is. Um, enter that off offer code there at checkout and get 10% off full price styles with any purchase over $99. Saves you money. Doesn't cost you anything more. And the iconic sling a couple of bucks back to us for everything that you buy. Now, you're probably going to buy some new things for spring. So get something fresh to step out the door in and help bring this podcast to your ears every week. You can shop from your phone or your laptop. You can shop while listening to this show right now. Support the people that support this show. The latest spring styles are at your fingertips. Theiconic.com.au slash Osher and enter the offer code offer code at checkout for 10% off full price styles with any purchase over 99 bucks. So if you're in Australia, did you watch the Bachelor finale? It was incredible what that show has become in the cultural narrative of my country in Australia is something that I could never have expected to see. Yeah, I was sitting on my couch at 3am here in Los Angeles. I got my social media guy, Ben, to prop up a laptop in front of a TV at the network so I could watch it over Skype so I could tweet along with everybody. And um, in television, we have a thing called Nielsen TV ratings. Uh, we also have a thing called Nielsen Twitter ratings. They count um, Twitter activity through a television show. It's, it's important for us. And since they've started counting, they've never seen a show get as many Twitter impressions, tweets, or anything that wasn't a sports game ever um, than us. We got 7.1 million Twitter impressions. That is a colossal number. I think the next number down was like 120,000 or something. Thank you so much for everybody that enjoyed that show with the rest of us over the season. We're going to start it all again on Wednesday with The Bachelorette. We'll begin it all over again. So that'll be a lot of fun. I look forward to seeing you there. <sighs> right. So let me tell you about my guest today. This is a goodie. Dwayne Martins is the founder and CEO of Amazonia, an incredibly successful health food and supplement company that he started in a juice stall in the Fremantle markets, and it's now worth over eight figures. Dwayne is a brilliant CEO. He's a super successful manager. He's an expert marketer and he's a forward thinking leader. His view 
on the place that he and his company have in the market is unique. He's pioneering a conscious form of commerce that empowers people all the way down the supply chain, advocating and demonstrating different forms of agriculture outside of the monocultural harvesting that we see now. And Dwayne is doing his part to help people eat better, live better, and in his words, shine brighter. But Dwayne's story is something that reads pretty much like a movie, from losing his home in South Africa due to unrest there, to losing himself on the island of Ibiza. Dwayne had a crystal clear vision of where his life was headed. He hit the brakes, he set some intentions, and began again on the path that's made him one of the youngest and most successful CEOs in Australia. That and he lives in a teepee. So come to my kitchen in Bronte in Sydney for a conversation that uh, left me absolutely inspired. It's a conversation you'll need a piece of paper and a pen for at the end. I don't often, actually, I don't ever ask you to do homework, but I'm going to ask you to do homework on this one. So enjoy this chat with Dwayne Martins. <laughs> all right. All right. We're rolling. Okay, good. Oh, straight into it. No, eh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Now go go right ahead. I'll just say up the top, you know, there'll be tea slurping. Because, look, honestly, early in the in the piece, a lot of people would email and, and complain that there was tea slurping. Yeah, and I'm like, look, the people arrive, I make them a cup of tea. Yeah, and we drink the tea while we talk. It. So there'll be tea slurping. <laughs> How are you, Dwayne? I'm gonna slurp my tea. You should, man. <laughs> you should just all the pre-warning Get into variety. It, make it happen. Now, how are you today? You good? Oh, absolutely fabulous. Yeah? I've been down Bondi Beach on the bars and I went for a swim. I'm flying, mate. Really? You've already gone and done it all? Yeah. PR sent me to Ultimo to find you. <laughs> what the good? What did they send you Ultimo for? Did they send you to Channel 10? I don't know what they did. They just sent me um, to Ultimo and it was in the completely opposite direction. But oh, I'm man. here now. I'm near, I'm near where you are. Yeah, I know. You're up. You're up over there. We can see your we house from here. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Now, you and I have something in common that we both weren't born in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. When did you come here? Um, when I was 13, hey? Yeah. So uh, I had an interesting upbringing. I was like the only white kid in an African school. <laughs> so that was, I lived on a farm in South Africa. Mm -hmm. Learned a lot. It was beautiful. Yeah. Well, look, the... People know what they know about South Africa in this country probably by watching Lethal Weapon films. Yeah. All right. And that it's something happened and then there was a big concert for Mandela and that, that, <laughs> then we, it we, all happened. Then, then that's it. I mean, you know. Then South Africa won the World Cup. That was a very pinnacle that was a, that was a, well, that's, thing. that's the other thing. And there was some rugby scenario. But <laughs> So what part of South Africa did you grow up in? Um, it was between Durban and Peter Maritzburg in a, a little country town called Cateridge. On the west, which coast? Uh and what's that side? The, the east, east Coast? East, yeah. So Jay Bay's on the other side. Yeah, yeah. So okay. East Coast up going towards Joburg. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful place. Africa. There's something about Africa. It's raw. It's rich. It's like there's, yeah, there's just a, an energy about the place. Yeah, know? we went there last year for Bachelor. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we did that. We shot our finale there. Oh, really? Yeah, we did the start of it down in Cape Town, and then we went up to Joburg and then drove out. Oh, that would have been quite a... To yeah. a safari. Sorry, I didn't watch it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, it's all right. I don't mind. But I, I will I will tell you one thing, and I really struggled with this um, yeah. when I was over there. And now we'll get – we'll rewind back to you being a kid there. But 
we landed in Johannesburg and we drove from there out to a, uh, we were going to a big national park where there was heaps of game, heaps yeah. of wild game. Just, they have it, you know, big reserves over there. But it was too far to drive at night. Um, so we stayed at the famous Sun, Sun City. Oh, yeah. The we Sun stayed City, there yeah, yeah. Um, the night before we went out to the bush. Now we drove from Johannesburg and we're driving out and and I'm, you know what I'm talking about, but as far as the eye could see, yeah, there's people like to all horizons, just squillions of people living in, you know, like two pieces of corrugated iron, yeah, shanty le- lent up against something else, no running water, no power, yeah, no light, no sewerage. My eyes are stinging because they're cooking on burning plastic my eyes are stinging from the cooking fires and you can oh, really, smell eh? the fuel they're burning is you know it's whatever yeah. they could set fire to then we drive past this fucking massive mine yeah you know that's lit up like a christmas tree yeah yeah and then five minutes later we're in this decadent opulence of sun city which is like las vegas with giant golden elephants spurting water out of those and just like within 20 minutes going from absolute dire poverty yeah to, to just absolute opulence. Ridiculous. I just, I couldn't bear it. Yeah. I couldn't fucking bear it. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> difference between have and have not. Yeah. It's quite a, it's a really interesting, interesting um, paradigm that we live in. <laughs> Especially were, there were you aware of that? Actually, yeah. Well, like I was in the, the country, I was literally in the country towns. Like um, we had a little pig farm mm-hmm. and, you know, we we had this amazing farm and I was going to a school where I was like, you know, the only white kid. But I'd go to, you know, to my, my African friends' places after school. So I'd just jump into their van. So it was kind of the world that I, it was a really interesting world in that, you know, I would come to the, I just remember a number of times I went to, my friend Anele's parties and his, his this and that. And it was really interesting because I would wonder why I'd get the, the weird look from the African mummers because I'm walking around in these shanty towns with the kids and playing around with them. And it's kind of like I didn't quite understand or realise, you know, the white kids don't usually go there or or this or that. And it was just like I was in another paradigm. But, yeah, there's in that in that kind of that poverty in that there there is a lot of it's just there's a lot of this culture there's a lot of community as well which i really kind of um got to see firsthand and it was absolutely beautiful over there it really was so yeah it's it's got a lot a lot going on for it old africa i think the 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 as 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 humans we tr- we we cope with the world by thinking that everybody looks at the world the way, the way that we do yeah. right that's the easiest way to do it and so to think of I live in my house, like this ridiculously beautiful suburb we're in right now, people have their little spots and they live in their houses. They probably don't know those three people there probably don't know each other. Those neighbours right there. They probably have no idea who they are. But you're talking about a place where in the space of 20 metres there's 50 people living. Yeah. And they all know each other's names. They all help each other out. There's actually a lot of community. Yeah. A lot of thriving in that space, but it's also incredibly hard. And then in that, you're also dealing with a lot of hardship and a lot of scarcity mentality as well, as well as because they don't have the resources as well. It's not just the mentality. It's just it's hard. It, therefore, people are working on a survival-based 
um, mentality. And that makes things quite hard, but it also makes people come together stronger. So there's two paradigms there. But as a kid, you know, you're just hanging out with your I'm friends. I'm just hanging out. We made like these little, little uh, cars out of wire and we'd put the Coke cans together, make their wheels and we'd drive them around. <laughs> and it was, it, in all honesty, it was amazing upbringing because I was on a farm and everything that we did, we made basketball courts out of wire and old stuff. And we'd make, we'd make cars out of this. We'd make all our toys. We didn't get given the toys and that. And we'd just go like that. And it was just it was awesome. When you went to your friends' houses, what was the food like? Um, it was putu pap. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of putu pap. What's that? But it's potatoes and rice, more or less. That's kind of what what was. And they were always so giving as well. And but when they all came together, everyone cooked up a meal. It's like this, you know, when you have friends over and they bring the dinners and stuff like that. Everyone comes over. They just, you know, the dishes are a lot more basic. Yeah. <laughs> But it was it was still just kids being joyful and playing. Yeah, and, absolutely. And that's it. Yeah, just having a good time with my friends. When did when did you first like? Did your parents talk about? Did you ever ask how come they live there and we live here? How come they live like that? Um. Yeah, it was not too much of a subject that I really got. I got I had a bit of an understanding of what was going on. You know, I was eleven, twelve, thirteen, so I wasn't kind of completely naive to it all, but. The big one is I didn't really focus too much on that. I was actually focused on just having a good time and yeah. hanging out with my mates. Yeah. And that was a really, really good one. And it was it was an interesting one in the school, you know. You know, I, I kiss an African girl. It's like, oh, whoa, what's going on? And then there's a bunch of tension around that. And it's just like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I'm 12, 13. It just add more complication to the whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> what year? Was it pre-94 or after 94? Um, this is around, uh, when was it? Oh, yeah, this was around about 20, uh, 2000, 1999. All right, so quite after, uh, way after the... Uh... No, actually, sorry. No, no, it was 1995, 96. All right, so just as yeah, just, just Truth and Reconciliation really is happening. And, yeah. Which is really interesting, really interesting that they did that. You know, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission is a yeah. really fascinating brave thing yeah for a country to do yeah you know yeah mandela was um an amazing person we got so much i just remember and Vic, i'm surprised like because i remember in africa i don't know if you've seen the movie evictus but um it, it really symbolized that that point of time that period of time was like how important it was for the the, the rugby team too it was like the triumph the uh, South Africa winning that World Cup was like the the triumph. I remember being so proud, even at a young age, incredibly, incredibly proud of a nation coming together, doing the truth and reconciliation, doing the unity. I really saw the unity of a nation, whether you're African or, or white, you know. And that was it was such a beautiful moment in that they won the World Cup and Francois Pinar and Mandela holds the trophy up together. Here we are, you know. So, you know, it, obviously every country has its issues after that, but it was just an amazing, amazing symbol. Yeah, I mean, I, t- I talk to my, uh, I, I, I do a bit of work in Amsterdam at this business school over there, which is really, really fascinating. I should get you over there, actually. <laughs> you'd, be a, you'd be a great fit. Um, <laughs> and um, I was talking with a friend of mine, and uh, she's uh, Palestinian. 
yeah. you know, she talks about, you know, coming to a two-state solution and that the South African model of the Truth and, Second, Truth and Reconciliation Commission is like, it's the only thing that we've seen so far that kind of kind of works yeah. as, as the, ex, to the extent that it can Yeah. in, okay, recognising what happened and yeah. now let's move past it yeah. rather than let's not pretend that it went on. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely. Very tough, very difficult for a society to do that. Though, yeah. Right? yeah, Australia needs to take a little bit of a, well, I wonder that. Like, could we ever be brave enough to do it with our indigenous population? Um, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. It's um, yeah, it's a tough one. All of that side of things. Well, it is, but you know, eventually, you know, taking responsibility for your actions is the, is the first step to moving beyond what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Ab- absolutely. Yeah, but um, not unlike any transition from one form of power to another, there was unrest um particularly in other parts of the country like where you were yeah i believe that's part of the reason why you you left south africa yeah unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately the farm got ransacked um it was quite a interesting situation but you know you you got to understand people are in survival mode mm. so we had a piggery and kind of literally all our pigs got slaughtered <laughs> and the guts left in the, the location and they'd taken it away. So we put all these big bolts on and then they bashed through the wall and it was kind of like, okay, well, they're just taking all our livestock. They're t- taking the livelihood of us. Um, it was kind of the time to kind of move on. Were you ever in danger as a family? Um, not that my folks kind of let on to. Right. Yeah. But so, was, it, was it the case of like someone staying up all night on the front yard? Yeah, we had some very vicious dogs. Right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, in, in all of that. So there was on that side, there was that survival mentality and that survival side of things, which is apparent in Africa. But on the other side of things, I had a really deep friendships and good friendships with, uh, you know, my friends, you know, mm. and, you know, we had a lot of, you know, people that were very kind of loyal to what we were doing in the space there on the farm and that as well. So it was it was a two two pronged. Because I mean, you can't run a farm with just family. You would have had people from the community working yeah, with you as absolutely. well. Absolutely, and we paid our, paid our workers very well, which was a big one, and that's why we had strong loyalty. But then there's the part, you know, from their side of things, they don't want to go. They're not going to go and risk their lives to try and protect mm. the livelihood there as well. And neither should we expect them to as well. Yeah. So it was yeah, it was a tough situation, all of that. But in all honesty. The move to Australia, the land of opportunity, has been one of the most beautiful things that's happened for me personally. In my, it's uh, an incredible, incredible country, and yeah, what what can happen here is the opportunity that is here to be had is the potential that is here in this country is is you, you can't quite believe it once you've been overseas, once you've looked around and you've yeah. seen what else is going on. When you come yeah. back here and go, there's so much, yeah, is ahead of us. Um, yeah. What was the conversation with your folks like about, hey, kids, we're getting on a plane, we're out of here? What was that conversation yeah, it's like? It's funny. Um, they said, oh, yeah, we're going to, we come, we come into Australia. And I was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> I didn't really think about it. Um, and this is the thing, you know, I, I didn't go, oh my God, I'm going to miss all my friends and this and that. I'd actually just said, yeah, that's cool. And I'd actually didn't pause and then I went and played again, which, you know, was very strange for them because they were expecting, they built up this whole thing yeah. to it all. And, you know, I guess I'm, I'm pretty good at letting go on things. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I kind of really let. Did you say goodbye to your mates? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, it was, yeah, I just needed to let go of it all. Yeah. yeah. What do you remember about the first few weeks here? 
Yeah, that was really interesting. So I got off the plane in the land of opportunity. West Coast? Um, yeah, West Coast. Yeah. And I found two Australian dollars on the floor. Like literally when I got off the plane, I found two dollars and I picked it up and I went, wow, that is 10 <laughs> rands worth. Like <laughs> I had worked out the currency exchange, everything. I had picked up 10 rand. You don't pick up 10 rand off the, off the ground in, in South Africa. So I remember that and I went down to my first little tuck shop and I bought a few little things. And I was very surprised how little it got me. <laughs> <laughs> Come to Australia, we just leave money lying around. It's just cash on the floor of the airport. And hey, you can't buy much for it anyway. But, <laughs> but so, so you arrive in Australia and uh, were you aware? So, but once again, you're the, you're the kind of odd one out. No, no doubt you turn up to school and you talk funny. Yeah, I talk funny. It's kind of been the essence of my existence so far. I've been the odd one out yeah. everywhere and I'm still probably the odd one out living in the teepee, for goodness sake. So, <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, we'll, we'll get, get to, to that. that. Um, so it was, yeah, but what it really did for me in that time of my life that was so powerful for me was the fact that I had to adapt. So um, I had to adapt from being this South African kid trying to act like all the Africans, you know, because that's how it is. And I did it very well <laughs> to come into Australia and having to adapt and change and, you know, make people like me and having to move in a different way, you know. Um, so it, it was incredibly, incredibly powerful me, for me mm-hmm. because what it really did is it actually enhanced my social skills. It made it made my social skills so much more powerful. It made me be able to relate to such different, diverse characters from different countries and different settings. And it's such a powerful thing. And that's what I feel a lot of people get out of traveling is they go overseas and they 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 interact. And if you really get and interact with um, other things, you learn how to, your social skills. Social skills are probably the most important skills to have in this day and age. It's how you communicate and connect with others. I would absolutely agree because it, yeah. it provides you empathy yeah, and the ability to communicate across ideals that, you know, I can see the person behind the ideal yeah. because otherwise we get too reactionary. You're like, oh, you vote for Tony Abbott, therefore I can't talk to you. It's like, no, actually it's a human being yeah. who lives in my street and, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe they're really, really particular about my wheelie bins being out beyond 10 a.m. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you there. <laughs> Oh yeah, man. Yeah. So, did your folks? Dude, which neighbours this one? Huh? Did, you, did your folks? Uh, shout out to the neighbours here. Hey, yeah, yeah. eastern yeah, suburbs. Get off my wheelie bin back! Yeah. Don't put your shit in my wheelie bin late at night. I see you. I see you I'm putting your extra bottles in my blue bin, yellow bin on yellow bin night. Oh, some white man problems. Um, <laughs> first world drive. So, so it's a first world problem. So did your folks struggle at all to, you know, obviously their entire livelihood all ever benign? I'm assuming that your father and mother were kind of generational in the farming. Uh, yeah, yes and no. Yeah, but so they get here. What, what do they do? Yeah, we were running around a little bit, not understanding what exactly to do. Uh-huh. And so we get here. We actually went down into the country and they, they – you know, we were just driving around and there was this caravan park that, man, I just love this caravan park. I got out of this caravan park and had fields and I was running along the fields playing cricket, <laughs> as you do. And it was such a beautiful space. They had a massive pool. It was called Fonty's Pool um, in uh, Western Australia between Pemberton and Mandrum Up. 
And it's this beautiful natural spring pool, huge, absolutely massive with these huge fields. They've got these little ponies with these little chubby ponies and everything. And anyway, we got there and we was like, oh, it's such a beautiful space. It was just such a, an oasis for us. So the folks really uh, went and just kind of um, bought the management of it. Uh-huh. And we went into that. So they had some capital that they were yeah, able to get out. inheritance from okay. my grandparents. Got it. Um, which was a big one for them. So they, they kind of went and did that. And it was really beautiful in that, you know, we had this, this really nice space. But unfortunately, it kind of drove my dad to a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> oh no because it was very stressful running a caravan park i don't know if you've ever uh, i've stayed in a few i've never run one but yeah. i can imagine the kind of people that tend to live there permanently or yeah kind of fringe society dwellers it's a yeah. very interesting place it is a very interesting place so yeah but it was it was such a beautiful sanctuary away from home, home you know and it actually is i'm a bit of a country boy through and through mm. Love is, it, the country. is your dad okay yeah he's great now oh okay uh, dose them full of good stuff, eh? Oh yeah, <laughs> tough though when you're to be, you know, if you when your father gets that sick, yeah, you know, as as, as yeah, it was really interesting because I played soccer with him. I'm kicking the soccer ball and saying, "Dad, run! <laughs> Come on! Why are you so tired?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad I didn't push him too much because that would have gone really bad." Yeah. So it was playing with my dad and playing the soccer because I'd love I built my own little soccer things. Uh, soccer goals sitting with tradition of South Africa. Yeah. Don't buy the soccer goals, you build them up. We can build them. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Never stopped building my toys, eh? <laughs> so you went to high school out there? Yeah. Manage them up senior high school. So yeah, it was really nice. It was a little bit more forgiving being in a country high school. Yeah. Yeah. I met some interesting characters along yeah. the way. Uh, through the times and, and what did was university ever on the cards yeah i went to university so i did the, uh, did high school did all of that then i took two years off and a two years of absolute redemption which i highly recommend anyone coming out of high school go traveling mm. and just go wild and disappear somewhere and that's exactly what i did it was for me the two years that i went traveling were like so well, it was a year i went traveling and then i came back to university and i went to uwa did studied health science and then i went year traveling again so it was like the year of traveling was so heart opening, it was so mind opening because for the first time I was at complete independence, step away from my folks, don't ring him, go, they'll, you know, worried of course, but just go out there. And you know, when you're young, you're just wild. So I was wild. I was out in the, the elements, I actually went back to South Africa as well. So it was amazing. Went on safari, just met people. And, you know, I even, even got uh, part of this timeshare location and we went we could drive our own cars around safari so we're driving our own cars and you got there's no roof to this car and this is kind of a really was a quite a pivotal moment for me this is like you're on this car and you're driving it and you're just with one other person and it's just in the middle of the night and there was just a pride of lines just come wow. in around and you've got no rooftop yeah. so you're just like one meter off the ground and there's just these lines walking around you. And it was just such a powerful moment. It's just so powerful to fear the fear, you know. Your dinner in a blink if they want. Yeah, walk. exactly. They can run faster than your car can go. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, it was like, it was just, it's very sobering to kind of put yourself in those situations. And I highly recommend to do it to an extent. But yeah, it's very, very sobering. In all, there's something, there's, I think there's really something to be said by not 
going straight into university after high school. You know, there's a lot of, uh, um, there's a uh, folks called reachout.com here in Australia at the moment doing a bit of work with them around, you know, just the stress of year 12 exams. And yeah. this idea that it is the be all and end all of your entire life if you don't succeed in year yeah. 12 exams. It really isn't. Yeah, yeah, I hear you there. It really isn't. And it's, it's okay <laughs> to, to not completely ace it. <laughs> go and you know get a job somewhere save some cash for a plane ticket and just go just, for yeah. a while because like, you're probably going to come back having a far better idea of what it is you want to do yeah because trying to make a decision at 16 of what you want to do with the rest of your life is not ridiculous not 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 the best thing to do you want life experience and you want to actually it's just everyone and this is what i've been finding of late everyone gets caught up in in this this physical doing reality where there's just so much more to life. There is so much. There's so much of the subconscious. There's so much of um, like energy-wise as well. There's just so much that you can even get from just bringing awareness to your everyday aspects of life and just actually being purely and truly aware and appreciative of every single moment. That is one of the most fulfilling things for me, and it's probably the most simplest of things. You hear all the guys like the the meditation guys talk about it all, but it's just so true. <laughs> just that. And that's, for me, it's taken a little while for me to realize all of that. But yeah, that whole having to finish high school is a pure representation of society's kind of doing mentality that you have to do this, you have to do that, and not really going into what you truly feel you want to do. And that's what I found through traveling. So when you returned to Perth, was it was it on your travels that you you tasted an acai berry, or was it back in Perth that you tasted an acai berry? So that was berry? my first travels. My second travels, I went. Um, I went traveling, but I read a lot of mindset books uh-huh. this time around. So I did two years uni, and then I went traveling for another nine months, and I read a lot of mindset books. And I actually like what? Which kind of book? Um, Think and Grow Rich. Um, one oh, Minute Millionaire was yeah. another really good one for yeah. me. Um, just your classic ones. Uh, but for me, it wasn't about reading the books. It was actually about going and experiencing. So I went out there and I, I was in a very self-destructive space as well. So literally, you know, I was, was self-destructive. I went out, I went to Ibiza, had the time of my life, don't get me wrong, but I was also very self-destructive in that space. And I really found it kind of gets to a point, you get to a pivotal point where it's like, boom, it tips over, like, hang on, this is not how I want to live. And for me, it was a point where, you know, I'd kind of been bashed up and I'd done all the the party scene and everything like that. And I was in the lowest of the lows. From that point, at that point, I realized that it wasn't anyone else who I was blaming on the outside. It was all me and my disrespect for myself. And that was- That was causing the pain in your life. That was causing me to be self-destructive and that. And it was at that point, I actually, you know, I was traveling with a few other guys. I completely um, shifted off. I went by myself for a good um, two weeks and I just sat down with a a piece of paper and I set my intentions because I like intentions because it's not like you have to do this. It's just, hey, this is the direction I want to move in life. This is something that I want to step into. I set my intentions very clear and I went, okay, you know, I want to give up that. I want to give up that. But I want to start doing this. I want to start respecting myself. I want to start loving myself because 
your relationship with yourself is probably the biggest relationship in your life. <laughs> so it, it was really a powerful time for me. And that was like, okay, great. I went through the traveling, self-destruction. Then I come to the realization. Then I come back to Australia and I just knew I was going to do something. I was going to do it right. Could we just, just rewind a sec? Just that, what you described, there are so many people who never get to that point yeah. of, I feel terrible because of choices I've made. Yeah. There are so many people who never get, they yeah. live their entire lives. The other is the reason. Yeah. And there's, it's, it's a painful barrier to cross. It is a painful barrier, but it's a necessary barrier. You, you really need to understand that you have undeniable and irrevocable responsibility for your life. And if stuff is happening to you from the external onto yourself, yeah, I know it's sometimes a thing, but there's a very, very big possibility or the majority of the, the reason is because you've created it on a subconscious level or even on a conscious level. You know, successful people like yourself don't kind of just create success. It's, it's not something that just happens and falls in the lap. Sometimes it is with a, like an opportunity in this and that, but there's a reason, there's an energy that, that's underlying that is subconscious that has created that. And it's, it's kind of, I really feel it's also destiny, but it's also this, you've put out for it. But it's so hard to let go of being the victim because it's easy. Oh, it's easy to be the victim, but wait till you start to be the champion. <laughs> that's the that's t-shirt man <laughs> if you haven't found a title of your book yet i think that'll do it <laughs> have you still got that piece of paper um nah but my my papers actually change but i still got the tradition of doing it so literally i just moved out of one location to another and it was, you know, the location I was in was beautiful. It was very hard opening and everything, but it was also a feeling it was dragging me down and I had to cut it, up, cut it off, come to a new location, set the intentions down. And I moved in with an amazing guy as well, um, Dave. He's a bit of a shaman. <laughs> shaman Dave. Shaman Dave. We've all got one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it's just really, really stepping into some very strong, powerful energy now which is really good for me so the also the idea of changing those intentions and being okay to change those intentions yeah. that that's important you you constantly change through life nothing is stagnant it's actually the embrace embracing of change that actually makes life absolutely joyous uh, what i find is a lot of people try to stay stagnant and it really detriments them whereas if you really enjoy the change and you embrace the change in life which life is only changing it is never going to be stagnant it's always changing everything is changing all the time you need to really embrace that and that's the same with your intentions your intentions change you know and you also grow you grow past that and you grow through that and you you move to the next thing you know so that that's a big one for me and what point did what it was that it ended up being becoming becoming a livelihood when did that start to align with what you wrote on that piece of paper um, you see, what I wrote on the piece of paper was mentality side of things. So what I like to do is I like to look at the foundation and the foundation of my existence 
in a sense is that I'm open and I'm learning and I'm very conscious, I'm open-minded and I really put the intentions to be more open-minded, to be conscious, to be aware, more aware in my life and not to be caught in things. And by, by working on that space, it, it really is the mentality that I worked on and that's the foundational mentality that actually works on every aspect of my life in my health, you know, I don't want to just go and do the exercises that everyone tells me to do. I don't want to just go and eat the food that the, the TV tells me to eat. I don't want to go and um, just do the business that people say, this is how you should be marketing your business. I actually, that mentality rides on every aspect of my life. So it really comes down to the core foundation in myself. I understand that I need to be very aware and very conscious and very open-minded. And by me having that essence that hard strong foundation in myself it affects everything that i do from the business that i create from the relationships that i create from my friends from my communication with my family and it also suddenly attracts people that are in the same kind of energy and space there and that's when the magic flows so that's you pushing outward with your choices of what kind of influence you want to have in the relationships and connections you make in your life rather than letting the world happened to you, Yeah, you start happening into the world. Yeah. And it's a balance. It always is a balance. But a lot of people think, oh, I'll just let it flow. I'll let it be. Um, you know, uh, I, I can dream. A lot of people dream, but I like to create a dream. Mm. Like you've got to push out there. You've got to make it happen uh, as well as understand that you can't push too hard as well. It's the balance. I like the word balance because it's mm. a balance between pushing forward and letting go. Because when you let go, you allow it to happen as well, which is a beautiful thing. And that's that's how I've run business, you know. I push forward, I create, I break new boundaries, and that's what we're doing with Amazonia. We're breaking boundaries. Um, we're changing the way people supplement. We're doing a whole bunch of things like that. Then I'm letting go and letting the staff and the people around me really take control and really run it and make it happen. So it's you see that balance there? Mm. It's, it's a beautiful balance, and that actually works in every aspect of life. And that's why I use intentions rather than conviction. Intention reminds yourself of your truth, where you're going. Uh, conviction is I'm too caught on it. I have to do it, you know. I have to do it, which is a good thing. But intention is keep on reminding, keep on reminding, hey, I know within my mentality and my uh, subconscious I'm going to make it happen. I've got belief in myself. Awesome. Did did anyone did, was it was it Shaman Dave that helped you come to this stuff or did you come <laughs> Every, to this stuff? Everyone, everyone came helped you come to this yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's life experience. Mm. You know, it's the trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I know. It's Dave. It's it's everything. I know. I know. It's it's just awareness. <laughs> you know, that's the big one. So yeah, I, I know. You know, I've read up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, we all, I think. That's why I was excited about this. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, yeah, I was in, it was in a forest up in Yudlow at a Buddhist retreat. And it all went, boing. <laughs> I was so shit you not. I was sitting there. I'd gone. I was in this Buddhist retreat called Chinrezig up in Yudlow. It's an amazing place. And uh, I'm up there. I'm 24. I was supposed to be on tour with my band. Yeah. But the whole tour had fallen through in those two days beforehand. And I'd already taken 10 days off work. So I thought, well, shit, I'll go up there. Yeah, beautiful. And I went there. I met with one of the nuns and she and I talked about some stuff. And she said, well, here, just take these books and da-da-da-da. And the first day I hiked out in the forest and I went and, and I went and sat on this rock, a beautiful rainforest. It's incredible. I sat on this rock 
And I was just just busy, 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 busy in my brain. Busy yeah. in his brain. I just sat there, just meditating, and busy in my brain. About a week later, I was still there. I hung out there for a while. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't talking to anybody. It was a kind of yeah. silent, silence thing. About a week later, I go back out there. Same time of day, yeah, right, right before lunch. Same time of day, sitting out on this rock. I'm sitting there meditating again. Giant one meter long water monitors walking past me. Birds are coming down, sitting around me. There was so much wildlife in the area, but I was putting off such a vibe of just yeah. weird energy. They were like, we're not going anywhere near this guy. Yeah. And then when I sat down there and just, it's going to sound so weird. Because I'd been there for so long, so many days, I'd kind of been able to tune into the... Yeah. The, the, well, you want to talk it on a scientific level. The, the Earth actually has a frequency. Uh, it's it's actually got a frequency. Right. And it, when you start to meditate and everything like that, you actually tap into more of that Earth frequency. So it's I was trying of, to I was trying to at the very least calm my energy down yeah. until I was kind of in empathy, vibrating empathy like a guitar string. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. More vibrating empathy with what was going on around me, and I honestly, I just sat there and I watched these gigantic lizards, like freaking dragons, just wander by me, not even freak out at me. Yeah, and like beautiful birds are coming down and insects. And it was it was like the scene in Bambi where she's sitting there and all the animals come out, <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, wow, I have long hair and a green beard. And just, <laughs> um, that's how the the hunters and everything also did a lot back in the day yeah like the traditional hunters they actually had to really sit down and, and get into the space of the land and just be in that 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 energy so that they could get closer to the animals that they could go and hunt and they could actually get their feeds because well, well. there's so many things you can't see if you go in there without that stuff you, yeah you're just you're just running through bush that all looks the same yeah but if you're in that zone you're like i know that tree that tree that tree that tree that leaves that bird da, 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 da. yeah there's something to be said about unconscious the the not so everyone everything everyone judges everything on the actual physical what they see but there's so much that we don't know we don't even know how we actually really came about so that actually leaves the whole world of possibility open to us all as well so uh if we want to i just love it i love the whole uh, i really enjoy this whole kind of magic of it all because it just makes me realize how much of a bloody miracle we all are <laughs> you know yeah, how this whole existence absolutely. is just absolutely profound and and uh you know so that we anyway. that we came out of possibly martian uh, uh bio- but where did the martians come from <laughs> well where did it all come from well, right the current, the well, the, 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 i went to go see neil degrasse tyson the other night 
It's an incredible astrophysicist. Very, very interesting science communicator. Lovely guy. Completely like super, super science. Yeah. And yet there's a there's a majesty and reverence in the way he talks about the universe and talks about how it all works. And that the idea that Mars was once a very, very lush, luscious, beautiful place. Um, and a, a, a rock came and hit it, uh, knocked it out of its orbit or something, but bits of that rock broke off and inside that came um, all kinds of little microbes and stuff and that rock came and landed on us here on yeah. Earth. And the evidence of that is that here on, uh, there's things called ex extremophiles or extremophobes, I don't know, there's, there's, there's uh, creatures that live on the absolute extremities of Earth, like 14 miles below sea level, like yeah. impossible atmospheric pressures and frigid yeah, temperatures. And there's, there's, there's animals that are radiation resistant yeah. beyond the kind of radiation they would need to resist here on Earth. So they've evolved to, to resist radiation, the kind of radiation that exists in open space. Yeah. All right. So there's no nothing on Earth they could not have developed here on Earth. Like these animals, we all come. That first DNA strand that we yeah. are all a part of came from Mars. Yeah. And what you're talking about, like just the, the miracle and possibility of it all, just think for a second that, at one point, none of this was here yeah, at all. So what might have been here before that? But also that it's expanding in continually. But what's it expanding into? Yeah. Like no one knows. Your brain just bends. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you really want to be honest with yourself and honest with everything, no one really knows. <laughs> and that's the beauty of it. That is what I get the, the kick out of yeah. is that actually no one knows because then it just really goes, okay, well, it makes me realize it's all just made up. <laughs> in a sense, there's there's literally, we can say this is the physical in front of us and this and that, but realistically, no one really knows. A lot of people have, have used stories to explain it and some people call it God, some people call it other things. Yeah. And that's because our brains Beautiful. might not be big enough to figure it, to, to, to hold those concepts at the same time as getting our kids ready for school. <laughs> you know? So... <laughs> Kid, hey, son, you know, did you know the reverence of God? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just contemplating infinity and nothing and the possibility of eternity and existence. Did you pack, did you pack your, your juice box? So it'd be like, oh, God made it. Okay, cool. Uh, don't forget it's dancing tonight. You know, people, that's why people make up rumors about shows like The Bachelor because the possibility of trying to explain what's happening as what was actually happening is too much. So it's like, well, we have to make up something because yeah. this couldn't possibly be it. You know, it's all see, the Bachelor universe coming together. <laughs> yeah, we digress. So, so you're on this really interesting path of intention. All right. Now, clearly, yeah. this was set on a hilltop in Ibiza. You're there. You're, <laughs> you've set this intention. More like in the gutter of Ibiza. In the gutter of Ibiza. <laughs> mate, we've all made it. It's called rock bottom and a, and a select few of us have been there. Um, uh, and you, you know, so with this, you're back in Perth. And is that where the, the, the acai berry came into your life? Is that where, did you try something before the acai yeah, berry? So I, I decided to spend my little inheritance, which was $3,000, on um, buying a bunch of exotic fruits, frozen fruits. And I went, oh, where did that idea come from? Though? Oh, just a friend, a brother-in-law from my best friend said he's selling a business. Uh, and I went to him and I said, this business is not really great. I'm going to just buy some fruit. 
<laughs> or his stock. His yeah, I just bought his stock. And it was everything from cashew fruit to, you know, guabla and this and that. All these Brazilian names. It wasn't even labeled in English. So heaven behold, I buy my first $3,000 worth of stock. I take it out. What do you know? No one wants to buy it. <laughs> so I lost my first um, 3000 in that good, beautiful venture. You lost the inheritance. In yeah, a, I lost the inheritance in straight a, up. Front. In a pile of, did you manage to eat any of it? Or yeah, was it- I ate a bit of it. Just like after a while, it's like cashew fruit doesn't really taste that great. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you're but, back at square one. Yeah, but the big thing is it got me in the game. So I give, I, don't let, get me wrong, I quit uni in my third year semester. I only had to do six more months. I quit uni to do this business. Yeah. So the folks weren't too happy. They'd paid my tuition and everything till that point. And yeah, anyway, <laughs> long story. Uh, but then it was like one of the fruits was acai. So I started to go with acai, you know, and we, I went to the first market stores. Was that just because it was easier to get or it was just tastier? Or Yeah, well, do you know, it just seemed to sell okay. out of the, the, the fruits that I had. This one actually, actually sold. And I was like, oh, that's good. Okay. It was like the, the headline one. And I discovered acai and I went and looked and discovered it. And I realized it's so nutritious and everything. And it was like, hang on, I'm dealing with acai. What's this? It's got corn syrup in it. It's got preservatives in it. It's got all this junk. And I'm like, well, this isn't really acai, is it? It's just a frozen sorbet. Um, so I went and I got the freeze-dried acai and I took it out to the first stores. You know, I went to the back of an organic kitchen. I physically labeled everything. I scooped it in. I I, I I put it and I took it to the markets and I sold it. So I did everything right from the beginning to the, the end. And it started to sell in the markets. I went and took it to the health food stores. And, you know, heaven behold, we were in 500 health food stores in a matter of two years. So we turned ourselves like, I don't know how it happened. It was just like I focused on getting acai out to the public and there was a lot of demand for it. So you, but it seems like you were the guy who was able to, you were the acai guy, like, yeah, you weren't doing all the marketing. There was marketing being done for you. Yeah, people started to know just, about I this. was focusing on supply. I knew the yeah. demand was out there. I was just focusing on supply. So, so while my other guys, I was like the fifteenth person to bring acai into this country. Um, so I'll, as as everyone was focusing on getting their brand out and this and that, I was just supply, 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 get it to as many locations as possible. So I took the key distributors in the key markets. I took all of them. And I made sure that I got it into the the market and I made sure I got into stores and I got it displayed in stores. And that really took off. And now, you know, that happened. We lost everything in the Brisbane floods. Oh, yeah. So that was like- well, you, you lost, what were you based up there? A lot of stock. Oh, right. Yeah, we had uh, all of our stock, our frozen stock on the ground and our freeze-dried stock. In and, Brisbane. Yeah. So, you know, turn of events, I remember that feeling. It's just like, you know, you lie down, you just go- <laughs> I actually laughed, laughed two, a lot. 2011. Yeah, because How I was can you like, laugh from, in the face of that, man? Um, it was because I went from zero to hero really quickly in two years to three years. And then I went from there, I went to zero again. So it was, I was just quite, I actually, you know, the big thing is when you're actually enjoying the journey, it's not so much about the, cons, the what's actually happening and the consequences anymore. And for me, it was just like, a, it was it was pretty laughable the fact that mother nature had come and wiped out all my stock <laughs> so literally it was me and chris at that time um we had to kind of get rid of all the staff and we went back to the two of us and i remember putting on my sneakers freaking back out on the road yeah which i love i actually love sales and on the road but that it was like boom okay we've done our first business 
we saw, we learned from it. You know, we had administrators go under, we didn't have good accounting. We didn't do all of that. We learned from it and we went, okay, this is a new beginning for us. We go and do this. And now we're one of the largest health food companies in Australia. You know, the big essence of what we're trying to do is we've got a very strong belief. We are pioneering what we call a functional nutrient space. So a lot of supplements, well, most supplements of all supplements are synthetic. So you don't eat synthetic cake. So why are you supplementing synthetic? They're made in the lab. They're made from a lot of non-edible food sources, a lot of GMO food sources. All of these nutrients and vitamins are derived from that. Whereas what we're doing is we're uh, focusing on functional nutrients. And functional nutrients are nutrients actually derived from edible food, derived from organic ingredients, still got the coenzymes, the cofactors that actually help absorption. So this is a huge, we're pioneering, we're the first in the world really to go, hey, we're going to do a supplement range based on functional nutrients, which in itself is very hard, but it's also in another self, it's very um, powerful in that we've got an incredibly self-believing team. And we, we've got not just one, we've actually got two ranges, one's in pharmacy, one's in health. And we are absolutely booming at the moment because people understand, people actually take these herbs and they take these um, whole nutrients and actually get it um, a good nutrition and feel amazing. Like according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, 6% of people get enough nutrition. Six percent. What impact is that having on our public health system? Yeah, you know, well, we talk in this country about, you know. Well, you just got to look at the lifestyle disease. So yeah. I like to look at monitoring of lifestyle disease. And it, I'm sorry, it doesn't take a scientist to look at the stats and read stats and figures. And the fact of the matter is lifestyle disease is on a rise and it's on a rise on quite a dramatic thing. You look at Wikipedia, what's the definition of lifestyle disease? Lifestyle disease is caused by lifestyle things, stress, food, the way we live our lives sedentary lifestyle yeah so that's the fact of the matter is humans in australia and around the world are creating environments for ourselves that aren't uh giving ourselves more enough nutrition and not giving ourselves an environment to thrive in we're a long way from the hunter vibing in with the environment aren't we yeah and it's it there's been a little bit of a disconnect on that that level and i guess you know from our side of things as a business you know, we really want to kind of bring people back to that. We want to bring people back to getting good nutrition. We want to bring back to the basics, but we also want to embrace technology of these days in that we have so many different methods of drying our foods and concentrating our nutrients and vitamins and minerals for the time poor. And there's also, we've got so much knowledge these days. There is so much knowledge out there on what herbs and vitamins and, and, and herbs do what for what your body. So it's like the embracing of the new with ensuring that, you know, we understand that we've come through generations, this body of ours, and we've eaten food since the dawn of time. It's, it's working with that, but embracing the new aspects of it and the knowledge of today as well. So that's, that's how we, we're focused. Do you have, like, at what point do you go, all right, so I'm getting this, this acai and, uh, like, before you start divert, diversifying your, your products, at what point do you start, you mentioned that you question, hang on, there's corn syrup and there's stuff in there. So yeah. at what point do you start going, well, actually, where is this coming from? On what conditions are people, yeah. you know, at well, what point did you start going to the source? Well, that was actually right from the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the big things, the thing is I was like, I actually ran around to all my first customers. Hey, this is acai. So just so you're aware, we preserve 4,000 acres of um, natural acai rainforest. 
Um, these trees grow naturally abundant on 6.1 million acres throughout the Amazon. So what we do is we work with local communities. We pay one third the price of the basket. So they hand harvest the basket. Um, so they just climb the trees, pick the berries, put them in baskets, and we come with the rivers. We use the rivers as a road so you don't need to do it. We come and pick the baskets up. What this has done is it's united communities around the rainforest in areas that they, they have very little um, financial incentive. And now they've got real financial incentive to harvest berries from the naturally abundant trees that are everywhere. And preserve. And preserve the rainforest. Not cut it down and make yeah. it cattle grazing. Um, I'm a big, big believer of tree-based foods. Um, our food system has to also be our environment. So the way that I see what's happening in the world is that monoculture and techniques for livestock, because I believe there's very strong techniques for livestock that can enhance the environment as well. But what they're causing is what we call desertification, and that's death on the, the earth. There's so not enough life. What we need is life. We need life in the form of grass. We need life in the form of vegetation. We need life in the form of the, the birds and the bees and everything like that. If you really think of um, where the human body thrives is in a living, vibrant uh, ecology and ecosystem. That's where as us as humans do. And what we, we've kind of, for some reason, gone on this killing spree. <laughs> and I believe it's changing as well. But if we, through our agricultural system, through the, the, the there's a beautiful talk on 10, I should send it to you as well, um, how he works with livestock to revegetate a lot of um, arid and desertif desertified things, large livestock. So he imitates the, the uh, migration of buffalo, for example, and he puts huge amounts of livestock and he brings them. And what they do is they trample the grass down, they poo in the wee and stuff like that. And it creates an environment. Suddenly the grass starts to grow back. And that's what we need. We need through our agricultural system, we need, we need tree-based foods that enhance the environment. Through our agricultural system, we need to create an ecosystem that yield, we can still yield more than ever before on, but it's all about creating an ecosystem, creating life and creating life that we can thrive off that life as well as this vegetation because that provides the oxygen that we breathe and so much more. There's, okay, so there's four and something, five million people here in Sydney, three million of those people are going to put white bread in the toaster tomorrow yeah. morning, all right? That's going to come from, as you say, monoculture, which is 10,000 square acres of yeah. wheat. Yeah. All right. Corn how, and wheat are the two biggest monoculture. But how are you going to provide that kind of food and supplement and nutrition to a massive population on what you're describing? Yeah, so in relation to livestock and the bulk levels of livestock and the bulk migration of livestock, and I can, again, send you that, you get more yield from your livestock from the location. If you start to work with the environment, you get more yield from it. I hear what you're saying there with in relation to um, the large monocultural side of things, mm -hmm. but there needs to be a balance. So it's a balance between everything. It needs to be a balance between community gardens. It needs to be a balance between providing, you know, um, large-scale uh, manufacturing of food mm. as well. And it also needs to be a balance between looking at how we can innovate. So in India, there's this whole revolution of what they're doing is they're creating organic and biodynamic locations. And organic and biodynamic farming is a big one. You know, it's a big one for our future, really, because not only are we providing, we're focusing on the soil content and the nutrients in the soil, but that provides nutrients in our food. And the fact that 6% of us don't, uh, six percent of us are getting enough nutrients um and the rest 94 aren't 
there's a big issue at the moment and it's only going to get worse and worse it's it's we we're probably a generation into it really and mm. in the time scale of everything it's nothing i mean trust me if if it was up to me i would want us all to be fed from a food forest yeah. all right that this plant provides the nutrition for this plant which provides the pest control for that plant and they're all planted next to each other they all grow food hard to harvest mechanically yeah gonna have to go in there by hand yeah for a lot of it and makes it but but then you know i i struggle with i'm way out here on the fringe okay yeah. and i totally i i accept that there are just jillions of people that just want to sit down they want to watch the voice they want to eat the, the yeah. fried thing that came from the freezer section at coles i want to shove it in the microwave bing it's done bed at 9 30 wake yeah. up tomorrow morning milo milk toast work yeah you know, how how do you work what you're describing into this massive food supply well, and how do you start shifting towards that? Well, it's from my side of things. From a business point of view, I want to talk on two sides of things. From a business point of view, um, I'm a bit of a dreamer and I believe that we can create better agricultural systems and a step in that right direction is certified organic and regulatory bodies that are actually in, um actually putting attention on it, <laughs> actually saying, hey, for the first time in, in kind of the modern industrial world, you're not allowed to put that pesticide and that herbicide and that poison on the food. Hey, there's actually some awareness to that degree mm. there. It, it's probably not perfect, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. And enhancing those and really getting those systems and getting those regulatory bodies to be um, pushing into that space, and now suddenly the demand for organics is going up. So the industry, we are as humans, we're very, very intelligent, and um, technology is quicker and more efficient than ever before. So there is a numerous ways to get um, bulk amounts of food. For example, acai is one that you know we do twenty-seven tons of acai a month. We can up that to um, hundred tons of acai a month. The big thing is it's not necessarily the most cost-effective side of things, but if you look at nutrients, it's probably the best, most cost-effective. But what we've done is we've worked and we've there's a system in place where that they preserve the rainforest. There's an abundance of it already, and it's just about um, effectively getting the, the food. Again, with coconut fields, so we we've been like we source from Thailand. So there's 2,000 acres of, in Thailand that they changed to organic standards. So before, the issue with Thailand, this is just examples, was that there was um, banned pesticides and herbicides from the EU countries being put on all these Thailand coconut fields. Mm. So what that did is it killed. So coconut palms usually have rivers underneath it because they harvest it and the coconuts fall into the river mm -hmm. and then they shift, they shift it down the river. And what actually was happening is all the fish was dying in the river underneath huh. there. That's not good. Yeah, it's not good. So the fact of the matter is, hey, organic standards got rid of those banned pesticides. Fish are back in the river. Introduction of bees into the area. Um, introduction of, and instead of walking into an office of pesticides and herbicides, you work into an office of ecology. It just takes some awareness, mm. some time, some really good attention into the ecosystem and how it all works. And it can happen. And this is a 2000. They're getting stronger yields than ever before. They're getting more money for their coconuts as well because they got organic is, is, is at a premium. And, um, yeah, it, it works. So there's a couple of examples. Now I go to the customer. Okay, the customer does that. It's the mentality uh, of the customer. 
There is nothing more important. There's no stronger investment in your life than your health. It's, it's really the, the ultimate. If you want to be suffering and in pain by 50 years old, by all means, go for your life. But the fact of the matter is, is that you need to respect yourself, which is the first point. <laughs> you need to respect yourself and love yourself and understand that the food that you put in your, your body is ultimately going to energize you and invigorate you, or it's going to be the detriment to your death. So it's, it, it's a little bit hardcore what I'm saying there, but it's at the God honest truth. And I see a lot of people around me and a lot of people around, there's people that are suffering all around us. And a lot of it is I'm saddened by it. And a lot of it I can't change. But the fact of the matter is I'm going to do what I can do best for myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be aware of my health, which is aware of myself, which is a big one. And I'm going to take in the foods that feel good and make me energized and invigorated. If I take in a food, food that invigorates me and then I feel down after a while, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be aware of that yeah. as well. Do you so. see a time when uh, the, the, you say organic, uh, and you know I know because I buy it, that organic, <laughs> organic produce is at a premium. Um, it, 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 do you see a time when it'll be more cost effective to farm that way than when it is? When the demand goes up, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, there's, again, you know, not, not to say everything organic is mm. an absolute be-all and end-all, uh, but I really feel organic fruit and veg are probably one of the most basis pinnacle fruit and veg that mm. you should be going for. That That is, you know, you're, you're guaranteed that side of things. The conventional is also very, a lot of it's really healthy, you know, the beetroots and stuff like that. Mate, so, I, would, I, would, I would rather have people just educate themselves about how much fruit and veg they are eating versus just eating the prepackaged, you know, shove it in the microwave for five minutes yeah. and then, then pull it. Yeah, it's, it just, I guess it comes down to everyone. And this is the thing, I can't change everyone. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to live by example. And those yeah. who choose to see that and appreciate that, see that and appreciate that. You mentioned something before that not a lot of founders can do, which is uh, you were talking about the difference between intention and conviction. Not a lot of founders can let go and let people that weren't there at the start of this adventure start to run things. Yeah. Um, and they they end up you know going bald and and yeah. grey and having time to play with their kids because they're trying to manage the whole bloody thing because you don't understand this is my baby. <laughs> You've seen it. I've, I've seen, seen it. it so much. I really have, and it's a really interesting one. Um, and I, it's been a big process for me as well. Yeah. But again, the first things first, it comes down to awareness. Mm -hmm. And you, most of these founders that do all of that and that are caught up in the business just aren't aware that they're doing that. They're like, there's this mentality that they have to be there. And it, it, in, a, in an essence, it's a, a bit of a scarcity mentality. And again, it, it comes down to the, the fact that you are your biggest challenge. It's how you conduct yourself in your life is mm -hmm. going to be the biggest challenge. It's how you are aware of how you act in your life is going to be the biggest challenge as well. And that comes down to business as well. When you, uh, when, when you do, it, it seems like this intention that you have, like we're all, we're definitely all in this together. Um, I'm assuming that happens in, in, in your office space, in your office oh, absolutely. and your workspace and yeah. your work culture. And like, does that help you retain employees? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a recent study has shown that the two biggest factors that retainment of employees, it's not money. It's actually the people that they're surrounded by. People in this life want to grow. 
They want to grow. They want to be around people that enhance them and they learn something new about. So if you've got a workplace that is so dynamic in character, as well as in experience and knowledge and very switched on people, um, you're going to retain people because they want to be around that. And the second one, there needs to be a common belief. And the common belief that we we changing the supplement industry, it's as simple as that. We're changing people's health. We, we're focusing on what really matters. We're not just doing the fluff arounds. So um, there's that real conviction and that belief in the business and the belief for what we're doing is actually beneficial to society and not only society, but to the, the you know environment as well. Because once you start getting nutrition in your food, you actually have to focus on getting more nutrition in the soil. How do you get more nutrition? ecosystem so it all comes through like that and so the people that work for you yeah jump out of bed in the morning because they, absolutely yeah. i mean they they really do it's beautiful and you know and that's the thing i've got a lot of love and respect for them as well mm. i'll jump out of bed for them as well to mm. make sure that they looked after as well what so, about the people back in brazil like do you get much feedback from them about how the yeah absolutely working? well the big thing is setting up the really good foundation mm. of it all so there's there's a very strong foundation in Brazil. We know, you know, we know that we're treating the people right there. Like I've literally been on the rivers. They've got such a good life. Like they've all got riverfront apartments. Um, and, you know, a lot of them actually do get the satellites now and get a little bit of um, the TV and watch The Voice and uh, <laughs> The Bachelor. Hey, mate, voice and, voice Tell and, you what, I'll show you there. You're over there. Portuguese <laughs> Voice, man. Portuguese Bachelor. They can get away with some stuff in Portugal. on Brazilian Bachelor, trust me. We can't get away with that. But it's interesting, though, you know, Brazil's a very uh, conservative country. Um, in many ways, it's, yeah. it's an interesting, very interesting place. It is a very interesting, dynamic place. Yeah. What but do you learn from the people out there? What obviously you, you know, the, the the simplicity of life is a big one. Mm. I really enjoyed the the simplicity of life, you know, and it's just another world. It's like literally, it's like rah, it's the Amazon. It's another rough kind of environment. <laughs> like I went swimming in the river, and I didn't realize there was gonna there was piranhas. <laughs> I'll get out of the river. Oh, that was great. And it was like. <laughs> they kind of looked at you like, dude, do you, you remember the James Bond movie, right? <laughs> you saw that. <laughs> I obviously didn't, eh? <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, I really, I really enjoyed it. Like there's a few little grower communities and stuff like that. But the big one is, again, there's a very strong survival mentality out there. And that's what scares me as well, because the survival mentality is what, people are doing, they're doing anything to survive. Uh -huh. So they're cutting down the trees, they're doing it all, they, they, they need to survive and they, they're feeling that they have to do this. So, you know, I have been to Brazil and I've seen the bad and I've also seen the good. So on one side, I see where there's the preservation and the thing of, um, of the, the rainforest and everything like that. And on another side, I've seen the strong logging and everything. And it's even, you know, it's really interesting. If you logged, it's, it's, this is, this is what is very interesting. Like I read a really strong article on the logging of Amazon recently and it was talking about the logging of Amazon. And yes, if you log the Amazon and you just let it be, it'll grow back very quickly. Like the Amazon is just a food. But what they do is they log and then they burn, hmm. which is really interesting. Why do we burn? Why do they burn after the logging? And it's like on a subconscious level, like burning actually causes the reason why it doesn't grow back anymore. Huh. So it's like 
log it, then just leave it. It would grow back, but log and burn. And it's just, it's just strange. There's just this mentality, this destructive mentality, which is underlying in the human race at the moment, self-destruction as well as destruction of our earth. It comes from the micro to the macro. So I really do feel it's shifting and I want to actually be part of that change, whether it's for people on a personal level or whether it's from a, a more of a macro scale in an environment. There'll be a point, there will be a point where the vast middle sees. It'll, unfortunately, it'll take, it'll, it, 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 it's unfortunate that many men don't start caring for themselves until they've had the heart attack. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, unfortunately, it, I weep because this is unfortunately true. It'll be something big that has to happen before yeah. society as a whole goes, oh, no, 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 this doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And overnight it'll change. Yeah. But it is happening. It's, it's actually happening stronger and stronger than ever before. Yeah. Really. And you just see it, what's happening in Australia as well. Yeah. But it's just... The thing is, but it makes me happy that guys like you are going, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I can scale, I can scale, I can scale. I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, this is it. And this is this is the people that I'm surrounded by. Yeah. And even by, you know, Dave, just so you're aware, Dave, I'd love for him to come for a little interview yeah. with you as well. Show but, him Dave. Yeah. Bring him in. But he's he's actually works at high level. He he's he's a consultant and he's consulting and he's getting the president of China to meet with the the prince of um Prince Awali. <laughs> so he's like, he works on a very, very high level. And this is the beautiful thing. There's people that are very conscious and in this space that are working at very, very high levels at the moment. And that's, you know, we want to be part of the change and we will be part of the change. And that's kind of what we live and breathe our lives to be. So beautiful thing, man. <laughs> that's the thing that, because when I do have that despair, I do, I have to remember that. I yeah, to remember there's people like you, Dave, Neil deGrasse Tyson. There's people out there because I do when it all when it gets crushing, you know, I do get this feeling that oh, I'm alone. Yeah, and, and but it's not the case. Yeah, it isn't the case. Yeah, yeah and I hear you there. It's it's the, the big one is we have segregated ourselves, and we haven't just segregated ourselves from each other. I'm just talking on a on a on a scale here on a on a general scale. But what we've done is we've segregated ourselves from each other. So there's a lot less connection between humans mm. um, because we've kind of segregated in that community side of things. And it also shows in the divorce rates and mm. that essence. You know, there's, you know, if you truly connect to someone, you really, you go there. But then we've also disconnected from the, the earth and the mother earth. And um, there's a real something to be said there as well. And that's why you, you, we destruct or we destroy as well is because we don't really understand what we destroy and we don't see the beauty in what we destroy. And it's not, not an individual's thing. It's, I'm talking on a collective level here as well. Mm. So the collective consciousness of it all. But it's really shifting. I, I have to, it is shifting at an immense rate right now. Like if you think of it in the terms of time, in the terms of billions and billions of years, like we've shifted incredible destruction in a very small amount of time, but we can also shift incredible creation and liberation in a very short amount of time. We really, and that's the beautiful you mentioned earlier, the possibility. That is yeah. the that is where the where the hope lies. Yeah. That is where the hope lies. You mentioned and I know we've been in I'm really enjoying the show. I could chat to you all day, but I, I, you <laughs> yeah, do have probably, a yeah. you know multi million dollar <laughs> business to go and run. Um you live in a very, very exclusive part of Sydney. Some would say the, one of the most exclusive parts of Sydney. 
but you don't have the big fancy <laughs> you really live in a teepee yeah well i've lived in a teepee for a couple of years but i'm kind of moving on from the teepee now yeah what was behind the teepee well so it was actually a bad business decision i sponsored a teepee uh company and they went to festivals and we decked out a whole bunch of teepees amazonia teepees mm -hmm. and what happens they went under so i had left a whole bunch of teepees and i'm like oh gee i've got a bunch of teepees might as well put two in the backyard <laughs> <laughs> don't worry you're going to see a few stunts coming out this summer with a bunch of teepees so um <laughs> so yeah we just um put them in the backyard I put carpet out there friend came and put brought electricity to it and stuff like that and i was just like ah oh, this is actually incredibly good out here why on earth would i stay in the house when i can sit out here in the summer's night and listen to the birds and the crickets and everything yeah it was it's an amazing and beautiful little little thing yeah. Does it help you when you're out there? Does it help you yeah. kind of connect a bit? Yeah, absolutely. It's a big one. It's like a little sanctuary. It's like you give an onus to a space and you step into that space and you get clear and you mm. feel, oh, yes, now this is my kind of space to meditate and get my head off things mm. because I don't want to be caught up in everything all the time. I want to be an intelligent CEO. I don't want to be a, a in-the-business kind of CEO. I want to be, you know, making sure that my decisions are coming from a very thorough and well thought space you know i've got two types of meditation one meditation is to let go of everything clear the mind completely the other meditation is to think as much as i could possibly think and i think from a self-awareness perspective why am i why am i doing those actions to that and what's what's reacting in me to do that and how are they you know just giving some good thought to the situation awareness to my life and how i'm conducting my life as well so those are my two kinds of the meditation. Yeah, it's beautiful like that. So, for example, and I'll, we'll get out on this. People have been listening to this and they've just gone, oh, man, I want to get a bit of what he's got. When they get their piece of paper out, once they've stopped listening to this. <laughs> get your piece of paper out. And they're bit. writing it. <laughs> That's the noise to go and get a piece of paper, boys and girls. <laughs> how do you write down the intentions? How do you, how do you plot it out? Well, I, I like to plot out your life. So yeah. personal work mm -hmm. uh you know friendships love you know put it down mind map your life and go i'm happy with this aspect of my life i feel that i'm achieving at work or hey i need to i feel i need to step into a new space there you know love you know am i connecting to people am i actually really truly connecting to people or am i just putting everything under the rug this is a very, the problem with all of this side of things and people don't actually action it is because it's actually very confronting mm -hmm. because it gets them out of their comfort zone. But if you don't go out of your comfort zone now, you're going to have to go out of your comfort zone in the future and it's not going to be as fun. <laughs> so if you get it earlier, it's if you take responsibility and take action early on, you're going to live a much more fulfilled life. And that's, the, that, that's how I, I, I really flow. So love and then you've got your... If you just map it out, work this, that, that, and, and put what I like to do is I don't say, oh, this is wrong with me, that's wrong with me. I say in a tense that I've actually done it, I want to connect more, for example, under love. I connect more. Mm -hmm. I write it down there. Or, you know, work. I want to be more proactive. I want to actually talk to my boss. I want to state. I want to stand up for myself. I stand up for myself at work. You actually state it like you do it already. It's a very powerful thing because it suddenly shifts the way your mind thinks as well. Um, you know, 
personal life. You know, I want to, I go and see my parents X and X. I actually have a meaningful conversation with them and don't fluff around the outside. I stand up for myself. I'm open-minded. I meditate every day. You know, I've got, (laughs) you're going to love this. I've got my little alarm clock every morning on my phone. And every morning it goes, Dwayne, you're a genius. (laughs) In whose voice? In my voice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I tell myself every morning I'm a genius. And what do you know? Like, it's a big one. It was a real big one for me to actually do that. Because it's like, oh, I'm being a little bit egotistical or I'm doing that. But it's very powerful to actually go to yourself and say, tell yourself that you're amazing, that you you can do this, that you can do that. Once you start to start getting that voice in your head a lot more, uh, the other voices kind of subside. It's how you communicate with yourself as well. And I'm a genius. And what do you know? Everyone comes up. I've had quite a few people going, you know, Dwayne, you are a genius, you know. I'm like... You've been listening to my alarm clock. <laughs> my teepee doesn't have thick walls. You're listening to my alarm in the morning. <laughs> but yeah, it was a very big one for me to actually take that step and actually say that to myself. Yeah. It's a very big one, you know. And it's not to say like I'm, I don't go around saying, hey, I'm a genius to everyone now and that. But it was, it's really for my personal relationship with myself mm. to actually encourage myself and, 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 you know, think of myself in a different way. I'm very grateful that you came and took time to be here today because, you know, for one, um, it's it's one thing to have these kind of conversations and someone says, this is how I live my life. But to have these kind of conversations with someone who has gone, this is my practice and and this same person doing these same things built on these principles an incredibly successful you know, <laughs> nine-figure business. <laughs> it's It's a big deal, man. Yeah. It's a big deal. Well, seven-figure business, sorry, not nine yet. You'll get there. Yeah, eight. Eight? Eight-figure <laughs> business. That's a lot of money, though. That's more, it's more zeros than I've got. <laughs> but this is, this is the thing is, is it's, if, for me, I, I have very much succeeded in what society uses success. Mm. But for me, it's also a big one that I've succeeded in my personal mm. life. And what is success anyway? It's always a progression. So I just really want to be living more and more from my truth. And that's kind of one of my intentions that I put forward. And I want to see the magic in life a little bit more and all the time. And, you know, and I want to do good by other people. And I want to be part of the change. And I know those are the resounding things that I hear every single time. Those are my calling cries. And that's what I remind myself of. Hey, Dwayne, are you working from this space at the moment? Or are you getting caught up? Are you? So it's just setting these pillars, these foundations to live your life by. And these are the pillars and foundations I live my life by. And it's so powerful when you put it into practice. Mate, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's good, sir. Cool, man. <laughs> I'm going to take your photo, okay? Yeah. Cool. That was Dwayne Martins. You can find him on Twitter at D-W-A-Y-N-E-M-A-R-T-E-N-S. Let him know you heard him here. Tell him hi. Shout out. Say good day. I don't normally give out homework, but this week... I'm going to do it. I want you to do it too. I'd like you to do the exercise that Dwayne just described. See what you come up with. I'm going to do it too. We'll talk about it next week. Um, so that's it. I've got to get to bed. Um, if you're in Amsterdam in the next 10 days, let me know. I've got some bike riding to do. Some training for this thing. I uh, wouldn't mind some company. If not, have a great week. See you on Wednesday night for the show if you're in Australia. Regardless of wherever you are. Sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Thanks for being here.
ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.